Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Episode 71 is an interview with Ryan Twist, podiatrist at Bayswater Foot and Ankle Clinic. Ryan graduated from La Trobe University and has over 11 years of clinical experience. He gained extensive knowledge and skills as a podiatrist from working both interstate and overseas. He has a special interest in sports podiatry, sports medicine, biomechanics, human movement, orthotics, prolotherapy injections and footwear prescription. Ryan spent time in Canberra working as a podiatrist at the AIS with elite and amateur athletes, as well as 12 months working in Glasgow, where he was treating a large number of high-risk diabetes patients under the guidance of the UK's leading high-risk diabetes clinic. Ryan participates in Ironman triathlons and is passionate about all sports, which enables a more detailed approach and professionally structured return to sport program. He attends regular professional development courses so he can deliver the newest techniques to his clients and help them achieve their goals. Can I ask you a favour? Would you be able to go on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast? I would really appreciate it. I don't get paid to do this. I do it for the love of sharing great information, but would really be motivated by your positive reviews and support. It makes it all feel worthwhile. Thank you so much. Like uh, Ironman racing or adventure racing, running can take you many places, both mentally and physically. But if you have injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance, it's hard to be motivated to get out the door because running is no fun when it hurts and hurts for the wrong reason. Because of course we know hard training sometimes does hurt. But if you're finding you're not getting the most out of your running, go in and see the specialists at Health and High Performance where they utilize the latest in technology and experience to help you achieve the results you want and are capable of. So head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run to check them out or find them on Instagram, Health High Performance. I really think this quarantine isolation time is the perfect time to do some self-reflection. It's about all you can do, to be perfectly honest. And and in spite of everything feeling out of control, you are actually in a position of power within yourself and how you react to this quite not so nice, I would like to say horrible, situation. As they always say, attempt to control the controllables. And when it comes to your running, you can do this with a structured and well-planned training plan. two plans with peak endurance coaching that's me email me isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au and let's get your training moving in the right direction enjoy the interview with ryan hi ryan and welcome to the peak endurance podcast thanks for having me no worries to be here can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself your athletic background and how you got into podiatry and that sort of thing yeah, sure. I uh, well, first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a podiatrist uh, with a special interest in sports podiatry. Uh, so covering things like biomechanics and sports medicine, and uh, helping injured athletes and preventing athletes getting injured. Um, I grew up playing footy and cricket, just like a typical Aussie boy. Um, loved cricket mostly. Still, still love footy and cricket, but found uh, endurance sport maybe 10, 12 years ago. Um, and hit it pretty hard and do a lot of triathlons and Ironman and long course triathlons, mostly um, longer endurance events, running events, mountain biking events uh, these days. So, yeah, certainly, uh, and I find there's a good correlation between being a podiatrist with an interest in sports medicine and uh, doing endurance sport. There's a really good natural sort of crossover there. Yeah, I mean, it's great to be able to um, sort of have your passions align. Definitely. 
Definitely. And then see uh, like-minded people as well on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That sounds awesome. Um, now, can you explain why podiatry is important for athletes? Why focusing on our, our feet and ankles would be important? Sure. Uh, how long have we got? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, look, it's, it's often the most uh, forgotten about area of, of the body, to be honest. The feet are a little bit sort of out of sight, out of mind. And mm. People don't realise, especially athletes don't realise just how important they are until something goes wrong with them. Um, because generally speaking, a foot injury, an ankle injury, a lower limb injury takes longer to recover. It's, it takes a lot more hard work to, to recover. And there's often a lot more um, like ups and downs in that uh, treatment journey um, when we're talking about feet and lower limb injuries. But extremely important because they're the foundation to to everything we do whether um you're just a a, a walker or an ultra marathon runner the, the feet uh, uh, play a vital role in in doing what we want to do yeah i find we often tend to focus a lot on the hips which is of course really important yep. Um, you know, and I, I, I'm certainly always trying to do my glute strengthening work and those sorts of things, but I, I don't really recall ever being told to do specifically ankle strengthening or feet strengthening sort of exercises. Um, and I presume you consider, you would obviously consider that super important. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. The, in, when we look at, uh, you know, the, the classic, I think every endurance athlete would have heard about, you know, uh, weak glutes and I'm sort of doing the air quotes for those listening and not watching. Um, the, as podiatrists, we sort of see that in the calf muscles a lot. And so calves and glutes are really the powerhouse of, of, um, of our lower limbs. And uh, the calves are just important to have, you know, strong, mobile, flexible well firing calves as they are the glutes. So we, uh, we focus a lot on that and trying to um, recommend that as, as, uh, as much as we can, whether you're injured or not injured, it's really good to focus on the calf strength. Yeah. So um, if we're doing some sort of strength work for our glutes, we should also be doing calf um, exercises. So would you recommend like calf raises or, um, you know, what, what sort of or isometric holds, what sort of things do you recommend to develop calf strength? Yeah, look, that, look, that, that's, a, that's a very good question. And it, it depends on the level of uh, strength within uh, each person's or each athlete or each person's, uh, you know, legs. But look, um, any, any uh, calf strengthening exercise is, is, is beneficial, whether that's just with a TheraBand where it's non-weight bearing and you're pushing resistance against the TheraBand all the way up to uh, single leg um, weighted calf raises um yeah i mean there's 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 a lot of stuff that that can be done for, specifically for the calves uh, but super important and um why do ankle or or feet uh injuries or issues seem to take longer to to you know progress look that that's a very good question one we get asked a lot and often we get asked when people have an injury because they didn't realize how long it's going to take mm. to get better. And it's, it's a really tricky thing to answer, but to try and put it into a very simplistic short response, the feet and ankles and lower limbs are very unique. They're, there's lots of moving parts. There's lots of bones, lots of muscles, lots of joints, and they all work together. 
But the main thing is that uh, they're primarily dealing with weight bearing forces and weight bearing forces can play a really big role in preventing an injury from getting better. So we, it's, it's hard to just not walk. If you yeah. injure your shoulder, it, you, you can put your arm in a sling. You can avoid using your arm. Yeah, it's, it's really hard, but you can, you can sort of do it pretty well. Whereas trying to work around an injured foot or an injured structure within a foot can be really tricky because of those weight bearing forces. So yeah. Yeah, I hope, terrible. I hope that answers that question. That yeah. it, uh, I could go on all day. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So what are the, what are the main injuries um, do you see amongst runners? Uh, well, look, there's, there are quite a few overuse injury injuries that we will see. Um, and one of the most common ones we see are a, a shin pain. Um, so it, this can be branded, I'm doing air quotes again, as shin splints, but uh, the true reality is that um, shin pain can be uh, caused by a number of different factors, whether that's muscle, bone, nerve, yeah. whatever. Um, the, the other common things that we will see will be tendinopathies within the foot. So that could be an Achilles tendinopathy, um, a tendinopathy within one of the main muscles within the arch. They're very common, uh, something that I'm sure every runner has heard of but can't pronounce uh plantar fasciitis um it's got a few different ways of saying it and depending on who which medical professional you talk to we'll say which is right which is wrong but i didn't realize we'll, 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 kind of all were correct in a way i guess then yeah yeah and so so we'll stick with plantar fasciitis because it's the most commonly thought of thing um so that's a very common runner's injury and then another common runner's injury we see uh will be uh, dreaded stress fracture as well that, that that's extremely common in both males and females predominantly females but um, it, it, it's an extremely common but very preventable injury as well so they're, they're, they're four very common injuries that we see there are lots of others but uh, that, that'd be the most that we see yeah and why are they um why is stress fracture predominantly female uh, there's usually um, a combination of a hormonal and uh, and psychological element yep. With, with that, uh, women, and I, I obviously don't want to generalise, but, no. but women t can have a bit more of a more difficult relationship with food um, and, and body image. And, and um, generally, women will, will push themselves harder than, than men as well. So all those factors combined generally can contribute to uh, poorer bone health. Um, and, and that's generally why women will uh, experience a higher incidence of stress fractures or stress responses uh, within yeah. the feet and lower limbs than, than men typically. It's, it's usually around about a three to one ratio in, in uh, medical literature. So, Wow. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, so mm. other than that sort of uh, influencing it, what, what mistakes are runners generally making that um, cause these injuries? Okay. There's uh, again. This is a very common question, and one that uh, is there's, there's many, many reasons. But in my experience, and um, that comes from a clinical professional and also an athletic sort of yeah. background. There's there's two reasons generally why people will develop an obvious injury. One is as simple as footwear, incorrect footwear old footwear, poor footwear, uh, not enough footwear, not the right type of shoe for the right type of terrain or training or their foot type. That, that is, is certainly 
one factor that we see in almost every single case. The second one, and uh, it seems pretty basic, but too much too soon. Endurance athletes are, are notorious yes. for yeah, overtraining, doing too much, going too hard on their easy days, um, sneaking sessions in, not telling the coach, thinking oh, an extra run here or there will be all right. Um, generally, that is a huge factor. But then it, all injuries are a combination of many factors such as, um, you know, footwear, doing too much too soon, um, yeah. strength or lack of strength, lack of range of motion, um, hormonal, dietary psychological um training surface um yeah. Th yeah there's a lot but if we had to put it down to main the two main things it would be the, the footwear choice and yeah. too much too soon and so, so i'm when you... guilty of that myself <laughs> oh, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I think we're all a bit guilty of that yeah. you know we love training so mm. much it's like you know surely yeah. more is better yeah. absolutely <laughs> um yeah. so when you talk about footwear let's talk about that for a little while um yep. in regards to incorrect footwear so i've got a couple of questions like uh how do we determine what is the correct footwear and secondly you know there's so much differing advice on how long we should wear a pair of runners for so um yeah. can you talk about those yeah absolutely so choosing the right kind of shoe is is extremely difficult and it's very subjective. And so anyone listening to this podcast, the best bit of advice I can give to someone would be to never listen to anyone else's advice about how good a pair of shoes are. That pair of shoes might be the best pair of shoes for them. And it could be the best pair of shoes ever made. It could be the most expensive pair of shoes ever made in the history of the world, but they could be the worst shoes for you. Shoes are very personalized, very individualistic, and yeah. uh, each person needs a different approach to shoes. In terms of finding the right kind of shoe, generally speaking, the lighter the shoe, the better. Okay, yeah. The more uh, conditioned the athlete is, the less shoe that they can get away with. So for example, if we're gonna look at uh, a person just beginning running, Generally, they'll need a bit more of a structured, uh, well-cushioned, pretty sort of typical normal runner kind of shoe. And if we go all the way to the opposite end of the scale where we're at an elite or sub-elite sort of endurance athlete, they, they can get away with a pretty minimalistic kind of shoe, um, very lightweight, almost no cushioning, no support. Um, so in terms of choosing the right one, it, you need to be aware of... Uh, your foot function, whether um, you are naturally quite a heavy uh, striker or quite light, whether you a heavy pronator, whether you um, strike in the heel, the forefoot, midfoot, getting someone to do an analysis on you, whether that's a podiatrist or a physiotherapist or, or a biomechanist to do an assessment and then they can make general recommendations about what features to have in a shoe. Otherwise, visiting a really good, reputable shoe shop is is highly advised. I, I I really don't like people buying shoes online, and I can understand that it is cheaper and shoes are expensive, and with especially right now, that money is everything. But the risk of choosing the wrong shoe online is very high, and then the the fact that that can be a contributing factor to developing an overuse injury. It's really worth spending a bit more money to go into a really good shoe shop to get a proper assessment done so that then they can make the right recommendations because it wouldn't, that does, 
doesn't just set you up for that one pair of shoes. It can set you up for the next two or three or 30 pairs of shoes because you then know what you need to look for. And then if you like to run in the trails, whether you do speed and, and long distance work, that you then know that my trail shoe, my speed shoe and my long slow run shoe should all have these similar sort of features. And then, the, then you can know what to look for. So getting that assessment um, from a medical professional, getting that assessment done at a reputable shoe shop really is the best thing that you can do to get the right pair of shoes. And then you know that it's going to significantly decrease your chance of developing an injury. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, that, that's fair enough. And, and what about how long we should um, run in a pair of shoes for? Yep. Okay. So every, every shoe is different. If we, if we look at, uh, look, if we think of runners and we Google like runners and the first thing that pops in our head, we think of like a, an Asics Kayana or a Brooks Adrenaline or, you know, those big structured, big built up things. They're going to last a lot longer than the uh, Nike Vaporfly, for example, because yeah. the foam's different. The um, composition of the midsole is different. There's, there's a lot of differences there. So as a general rule, your, your runners, uh, once there's a test that I like to do. Sorry, I'm waffling a bit. Sorry. No, no, there's, no, no. There's, it's just, it a, is a, a hard test. question yeah, to answer. It is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find the best way to explain it. So as a general rule, um, I like to tell my patients that in the inside of the, of the runner, there, there's an inner salt that you can take out of the shoe, right? If you then get your two index fingers, and you put one of the index, one of your hands with the index finger to the ball of the foot, and yeah. then you line that up with the other index finger that's out of the shoe, and you put that up to the bottom of the, of the midsole, and you push your fingers together. If you can feel your fingers, you need a new pair of shoes. Oh, I like that one. That's good. Yeah, and uh, if you if you can push the finger, if you push your fingers together, and there's a fair bit of give and a fair bit of uh, gap between your two fingers, generally the shoe will be okay. Terms, in terms of kilometres, that big structured shoe like an Asics Kayano, Brooks Adrenaline, the big normal normal runners, yeah. that you're going to get between 600 to 800 kilometres out of them. Yeah. If we go all the way down to the other end of the scale where we look at our minimalistic shoes or um, Nike Vaporflies or, or uh, track shoes, um, generally you're going to get between three to 400 kilometres. So it does vary a lot, but that test is a pretty simple test that you can do. And uh, one that I would recommend that all runners do to their shoes to see ooh, which ones do I think are on the way out, which ones are oh, a little bit okay. Yeah. Um, one bit of advice I would also give, because it ties into this, is that you never run in a pair of shoes two days in a row. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I personally sure. never do. I always, yep. I, I, because I've always heard that you've got to give it time to bounce back the shoe. Is that... Yes. Correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this has been yeah. proven through medical okay. research. It's not just uh, an old wives' tale. They, yeah. they have shown sure. the traditional, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the traditional rubbers used in midsoles of shoes uh, need about 24 to 48 hours to so sort of bounce back to their absolute potential. So, so it's good to avoid running uh, consecutive days in the same pair of shoes. Yeah. Um, and, and I get when, you know, I get it's hard sometimes if people are high volumes and they've only got one or two pairs of shoes, I, I get it, but it's a good bit of general advice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I certainly like to do that, but I wasn't sure if it really <clears throat> was worth doing. And I certainly know I'll be going and checking all my shoes um, 
after <laughs> this. <laughs> now, so, and also, if anyone's listening yeah. and um, they, they do that, I'd love to hear their feedback on that. If they've got any yes. questions on that, please, yeah, get them to contact me and let, yeah. let me know how you went with that test. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a good idea. I've also heard that not only is it good to, um, you know, rotate your shoes, but also to rotate the type of shoe, as in some shoe a little bit more structured and, and, you know, not always the same make of shoe so that your foot doesn't get too used to a certain yep. type of shoe. Is that correct as well? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, depending on what kind of uh, run that you're doing, because uh, yeah, the, the, if you're going into heavy trails, you, you probably want a more yeah. pretty stable robust shoe to protect your ankles and other slippery surfaces whatever whereas if you're going to go to the track and do a pretty fast um fast paced workout you want a pretty you know lightweight flexible yeah. soft shoe yeah yeah absolutely yeah. but does that also kind of help strengthen the foot um okay that's opening up a can of worms <laughs> um yes and no the there are shoes that can help promote uh, flex, you know, making feet stronger. And there are a lot of uh, a lot of people out there that will will preach that you know barefoot or minimalistic shoes are the way to go because it will make your feet strong. And structured heavy shoes will make the feet weak. And it's it's a tricky topic because in theory I I agree with with that, and I try to always promote strong healthy feet to all of my patients and give them the best exercise and i'm a huge advocate of that mm. however there is absolutely no research that shows that uh cushioned or structured shoes or orthotics for that matter will weaken feet so okay. it's yeah it's a controversial topic and people get very passionate no, about that topic but yeah 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 Currently, so, so why the science is shows it? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. The science shows, sorry, that it makes no difference. It, yeah, it doesn't. It does not weaken our feet. Yeah, that, yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, why is it then that um, beginner runners need a more structured shoe, and and experienced runners tend not to quite so much? Oh yeah, good question. Uh, because generally, it's to do with conditioning and the level of strength and conditioning within the the. Um, the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments and the joints and the bones and even at a physiological level the the cell pathways and the physiological pathways of a conditioned versus non-conditioned people who are just getting into running and they're generally unconditioned or a bit weaker will generally need a shoe that will uh, help to support them a bit better and provide a lot more cushioning uh, whereas uh, people who are a bit more conditioned a bit more um, better they're their, their body can get away with less cushioning and less structure. Also um, to do with um, the, the running technique as well. Yeah. Generally speaking, uh, a, a beginner runner will have a poorer technique than an elite or sub-elite runner. Um, so, so then the, the technique comes into play as well there with the shoe, shoe selection. So yeah. that would also kind of infer that um, just running itself helps to teach form and helps to strengthen the foot as well i mean yep. aside from doing drills and whatnot that 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 does just happen yeah absolutely it will happen and uh runners will will, will get stronger if they run and yep. uh, if they run the correct way then they'll get stronger quicker yeah absolutely yep yep and and obviously by that you're in meaning you know increasing the load at a at a you know careful rate rather than just you know, oh, yeah. on the miles 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And making sure you look after your body. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you, what do you think about, um, you know, say with the toe box of a shoe, how there's many shoes that talk about, you know, having a wide toe box to allow the splay of the toes, a more natural yes. foot position. Um, and then there are other shoes that obviously don't worry about that. So what's your take on that situation? Yeah, I, I believe very strongly that the shoe needs to uh, mould the shape of the foot as closely as possible. And the, an analogy I like to use is, uh, say, if you've got like a large size hand and you try to put your hand in a small size glove, the, the squashing effect that would have, you can maybe put the glove on and it's all right. But then once you start trying to use your hand, you can imagine how sore your hand's going to get and how, um, how misused and deformed it could potentially be. That, that's where uh, a pair of shoes, if they're too tight or too short or both, could severely yep. um, change the functioning of the foot, but also uh, potentially lead to uh, issues within, within the foot, especially the forefoot. So having, having a shoe with a wider toe box that allows those toes to function the way that they're designed to is, is really, really important. Yeah. yeah, no matter whether that's a trail shoe or a built-up structure shoe or a minimalistic shoe or, or a casual shoe, yeah. any, any shoe with that wide toe box that accommodates the foot um, more naturally is, is, is really important. So, so when you talk about, and I don't know if this is too big a question, but when you talk about allowing the toes to work as they're supposed to, how are they supposed to work? Uh, they, <laughs> they, they don't want to be compressed. It's a general rule, toes and uh, the toe joints. Uh, so um, the toe joints are made up of a bone within the toe and then the long bone connecting to that toe called the metatarsal. So the metatarsal heads, the ends of the metatarsals and the toes hate being squashed. They, they hate it. And it causes all sorts of issues like bursitis and neuromas and bunions and hammer toes and claw toes and capsulitis and whatever, whatever. The toes want to be spread and, and have, have the space that, that, that they're designed to, but also they uh, help with uh, flexion and propulsion forwards. And so the toes are designed to, uh, to do this movement called dorsiflexion where they, they, they flex and that flexion aids in our, in our propulsion forwards. And our propulsion is really important because it's, uh, you know, it, it's everything in movement. The quicker we can, propel ourselves forward the quicker we're going to run and the more efficient we're going to be as well mm. yeah i yeah. hope that answers it I hope yeah that no, makes definitely yeah. and um <clears throat> yeah no that that sounds good so um and that would also be related to the calf strength as well because the calf is part of the propulsion isn't it yeah absolutely so calf uh the calf muscle is made up of four muscles and uh together they they form they come down and form the achilles tendon and uh, when the calf contracts it causes plantar flexion to our yep. to our ankle and our foot and that aids in our propulsion yeah so the calves are really important because they are primary shock absorbers in our lower limb and our they're, they're our primary uh, propulsion makers in our lower limb if that's terminology i can use <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, you can so, why not <laughs> yeah why not <laughs> sorry to any academics or anyone listening out there that's going to correct me but yeah yeah the, the, the primary focus is uh shock absorption and propulsion yeah yep. and so is there any um preferred gate like should we be all aiming to be you know midfoot uh runners does it really matter if we're heel strikers like you hear so much conflicting advice. Yes, you do. And again, it's very controversial and uh, 
people get very emotional about yes. this and I'm going to revert back to the science and the science shows us that it doesn't matter. But if I'm going to put my, my, if I'm going to take my clinician's hat off and I'm going to put my athlete's hat on, yeah. I am a big advocate in, in trying to get people to land more midfoot. So I'm talking uh, from an endurance running perspective, long sort of slower yeah. running. It's different for, for sprinters. But for long endurance running and for, for athletes and runners in general, I'm a, I'm a big believer in midfoot striking because it does sort of two main things. One, it forces us to land with our foot more underneath us and that makes us more springy and lighter yeah. and it's going to uh, able, enable uh, more natural shock absorption as well. So, yeah, but it's an area that uh, especially athletes can get really uh, worked up about and really upset about and really... Um, almost uh, obsessed about but generally what it whatever comes comfortable to you is is a good good thing to be running yeah if yeah. there's major issues and there's major differences especially between the left and the right side then that's when you really want to intervene but it's best to just try and run naturally and tweak little things here and there just to refine them yeah. yeah. So we shouldn't be going all out trying to completely change our running style. Yeah, not, I, I wouldn't advise it only if there's inherent issues and uh, reoccurring issues or major asymmetry between the left and right. Then if you don't have any of that, then minor tweaking here and there is, is really the way to go. Yeah. Now, what about um, ground contact time when, when we're running? What, what influence does that have? Oh, well, yeah, that, that's everything. Um, I guess in, in short, the shorter the ground contact time, the quicker we're going to run, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I guess, uh, it's just a combination of uh, hard training and refining that technique, finding the right shoes and, and being strong as well. Um, the stronger the tendons and the joints are, the, the quicker they're going to propel us forward. So there's, uh, there's a spring mechanism within our muscles and our tendons. The, the more conditioned and the stronger we are, the quicker they're able to absorb that load and propel us forward at a bigger rate. Yeah. So, so strength, strength is everything at reducing that ground contact time. Yeah. So what are some, do you have some sort of um, exercises that runners could do on a day to day or weekly basis <clears throat> that would help to keep their feet and ankles strong? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if, so I want to preface this by saying that if anyone is injured, um, you, this, you know, they, they need to be doing their specific uh, injury rehab. But if you're not injured, then as a general uh, rule, the, some exercises which, uh, which are really beneficial, um, uh, the, the, the first one, the most important one, I feel a, a good old calf raises. Calf raises done the right way is, and if, any, if I'll get, some to, get people to uh, get the pen and paper out because I'll go through the right way to do a calf raise because... Doing the calf raise the right way is, is really, really important. And this can be done whether it's on a step, uh, on flat ground, single leg, double leg, with weights, without weights, um, whether it's seated or standing. The same rules always apply. And these are slow controlled movements when you're doing your calf raise. So there is no point bouncing up and down because it's completely pointless and it won't do anything. I like to give the recommendation of three seconds up, 
four seconds down. That's the kind of pace you want to go and you want to go to your top end range of motion when you're on your toes. So you want to crank, go three seconds up to as high as you possibly can then take four seconds to come down on the isometric contraction. So slow control movements. Then the next, the next rule is your body weight through the big toe joint. So when, especially when people fatigue and they're doing the calf raises, yeah. they'll go out to the side or go out laterally yeah. and that will engage a different muscle group called the perineals. And so when we focus our body weight through the big toe joint, it's going to help to engage our um, gastrocnemius heads. It's going to help to engage our soleus and our Achilles tendon and our plantar fascia much more effectively. So yeah. slow control movement, body weight through the big toe joint. And depending on uh, what uh, muscle you're specifically targeting, but generally straight leg as well. You don't want any bend in the knee because what people will tend to do is when they fatigue, they'll bend their knees slightly and that's going to help to engage, uh, especially the hamstrings. Um, and it, it takes a little bit of it away. So, so you're better off doing that. The exception to that is, is if we're specifically targeting the soleus muscle, which is uh, one of the calf muscles, then you do that calf raise with, with bent knees, but you know, about like 45 degrees bent. So, so it's either very bent or dead straight as you're doing those. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the best and the most important. So as I said, whether it's on a step, off a step with weights, no weights, single leg, double leg, whatever, whatever, whatever. you're following those three basic rules, you're going to get big, bigger bang for your buck. The, the other uh, exercise, which I'm a big fan of for, for runners in, in general is a range of motion uh, exercise for the ankle joint where uh, you want to stand, um, so first of all, you need a band, sorry, you need a band, whether that's like a TheraBand or, or a belt or something similar, like a resistance band, anything like that. And you're gonna place that band over the front of your ankle and you're gonna tie it to something behind your body. So, so you're gonna be standing facing something and you're gonna have this band wrapped around the front of your ankle with it uh, reinforced behind you. And then what you're going to do is you're going to ensure your foot is flat on the ground with this band across the front of your ankle. And you're going to drive your knee over the second toe joint. So drive okay. the knee over and then yeah. back and forward, keeping your foot planted in the same position. What that's going to do is it's going to help free up a lot of the, uh, the, the soft tissue and uh, one, of the, one of the main bones in the ankle, it's gonna help for it to glide and slide a little bit more. And we know through, through research is that the, the lack of range of motion in the ankle joint will increase our likelihood of an overuse injury. So, so doing this helps to improve the range of motion in the ankle and therefore it will decrease the chance of, of an overuse injury. If you're injured or you've had a history of anterior ankle or posterior ankle impingements or injuries, you shouldn't be doing this. But if you haven't, it's a really good one to do. Another one that I suggest is uh, massaging the bottom of our foot, whether that's with a spiky ball, uh, a massage ball, a lacrosse ball, golf ball, squash ball, anything. What I suggest is it's done on a hard surface, so not carpet or, or grass or soil, but a, you know concrete or, or like tiles or wooden floorboards. You get the ball and sit down. You place it barefoot, no, no sure sock on. You place the ball underneath your heel. 
and you roll the ball from your heel to the ball of your foot back and forward, but you start really soft, almost pointlessly soft. The first couple of rolls you do almost like there's no point doing this. And then you gradually increase the pressure. The amount of people that I have seen in my years of practicing that go, oh, but it hurts to massage. And they literally just plonk their foot, bang, as hard as they can onto the ball. Well, of course that's going to hurt. So <laughs> you'd be surprised how often that happens. So well, to be honest, I thought that's yeah. how you did it. <laughs> Ah, there you go, mate. Yes. So hopefully it changes someone's uh, things out there. So, so yeah, pointless. And then back, back and forth, back and forth, sitting down. So you've got control over it and you, then you can start to push a bit more weight through, through your foot and uh, you're, you're really helping the uh, muscles and the joints in there to, to start to free up and move a little bit more. In our feet, we've got 26 bones and we've got four layers of muscles. So there's a lot of stuff in there that can get really tight. And so getting that ball into all of that, all of that will, will really, really help it. It will especially help free up the big toe joint. So, okay. so it's a really good one, which is really important for our propulsion forwards. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so back and forth and also side to side as well. Just be a bit more careful when you go side to side over the ball. It's a little bit more sensitive. The, the fibers, you're going against most of the muscle fibers. So it's a little bit more sensitive. So you just want to be a little bit more careful with that one. Then the last exercise that I suggest is a really, really simple one where simply sitting down or standing up, but I prefer sitting down. You want your knee and your ankle at 90 degrees and you want barefoot. You get a towel and you place it under your, under your foot and then you're going to claw your toes like it's a hand and scrunch up that towel under your foot. You want to keep your heel your small toe joint and your big toe joint in contact with the ground at all times. But then you're going to keep scrunching that towel as you do that. So knee and ankle at 90 degrees, foot on the ground, heel, big toe joint, little toe joint, all on the ground. And you scrunch that tail, towel up or, or something similar, a tea towel or a piece of paper, whatever it is, underneath your foot. And what that does is it helps to really, really strengthen a group of muscles called the plantar flexors. And the plantar flexors have been shown to help uh, reduce the chance of an overuse injury occurring if they're strong because they, they help um, with so much, but they, they really play a pivotal role in assisting the calf muscles in their functioning. Okay. So if they're nice and strong, it's yeah. going to go a long way to helping. Yeah. And how so often, I, hope, I hope that I've explained that clearly. Yeah, enough. yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, and yeah. that foot one, how often like, yep. and, and for how long should you do that one? Uh, look, the, the more the better. The, if you can do it every day, that, that's fantastic. When the ads come on TV, do it. If you're watching Netflix or whatever, it's a good time to do it. Uh, but do it until it, it fatigues. People will often find when they first start doing this, they'll, they'll fatigue pretty quickly because they're that's using muscles thought. they haven't, mm. yeah, haven't really used that much before. But yeah. also another common thing we hear about is um, people will start cramping a lot in their yes. toes when they try to do this. Yeah. yeah. So, so just if that happens, you just start small and stretch it out and maybe do it do some massage and then come back to it the next day. But, but if the more you can do that, honestly, the, the better it will be because um, it's a pretty, um, it, it's a non weight bearing, uh, non major sort of exercise. Like it's a, it's a, it's, it's not nothing too um, strenuous for, for the body or the foot to be doing. So it, 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 you can pump out quite a lot of that, that exercise. Yeah. 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 No, that, that sounds good. I, I was going to ask, 
um, because I had heard sort of similar about those exercises, whether it really does help. So clearly it does. Now, yeah, also, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. In regards yep. to um, like your calf strength, yes. um, what about stretching your calf? Does that have um, an impact on, on how our feet work as well? Yeah, look, it, yes, it, it can. The, there's a lot of people, again, get very passionate about stretching and whether it's good or bad, it's going to cause this and cause that and it's, you know, the devil's thing or whatever. <laughs> it, it's, it's, people get so passionate about this. The stuff I've read. Anyway, um, stretching is good, yes. The... <laughs> <laughs> stretching I'm, always, I'm always looking for reasons yeah. not to stretch because I'm lazy. But right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Well, generally the science shows that uh, groups that stretch versus groups that don't stretch don't tend to have that much difference. And if you don't stretch, it's not going to significantly decrease your likelihood of an, of an injury. But stretching, stretching makes no difference in a warm up. That's been proven yeah, yeah. through through science. So you can do it, but it. It's a more of a psychological thing. I'd stretch before I run, but just just because. Yes, yeah. uh, but one thing that stretching can assist with is recovery <clears throat> post long run. Yeah. And uh, also, um, when I spoke about the increasing the range of motion through our ankle joint, um, that can assist with that a little bit as well. So, so it's worth doing. Yeah. 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 So maybe sort of after a long run, doing a bit of rolling out and stretching and, and those sorts of oh, things. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that that's a but that's the time to do it. That'll be your biggest bang well, for your buck with stretching. Not not just sit on the couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 hard sometimes when you when you're tired from a long run. Although at the moment none well, of, of course. us are, yeah. yeah. None of us are running long, unfortunately. But um yeah. I'm sure we'll get Those back to that eventually. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. and so do you have any sort of um as we start to wrap up any sort of final advice or recommendations or anything like that for the, for the runners out there? Um, yep. So my best bit of advice will be, uh, footwear, yep. get the right footwear, get the right amount of footwear as in a certain number of shoes, be really, really sensible with your training and don't, underestimate how important the feet are as we as i said at the very very start of this people don't realize athletes won't realize how important feet and ankles are until something goes wrong because yeah. they they take a lot longer to get better than people realize and it uh, can be extremely frustrating trying to deal with with the foot or or ankle injury so looking after them it's worth it. Spending an extra couple of minutes a day just looking after your feet helps so much. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. that's very, very good advice. Now, um, how can people get in contact with you? Or you know, once stage four restrictions are, are gone, when can they? How can they come and see you? Do you want to give us some information on that one? Yeah, sure. So my, I'm pretty active on, on my um, work and personal social medias. Um, the, we're on Facebook and Instagram. So if you search my name, which is Ryan Twist on Facebook or Instagram, or um, the work pages, which is uh, Bayswater uh, Foot and Ankle Clinic. So those of you who are out of Melbourne, Bayswater spelled B-A-Y-S-W-A-T-E-R, Bayswater Foot and Ankle Clinic. Um, yeah, shoot us a, a, an email or DM or whatever through there. We, we see it most days. Um, unfortunately, Bayswater is not near the bay or water. Um, <laughs> I know. It sounds, it sounds so like beautiful. It's, yeah, it 
Sadly <laughs> not. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I run through Bayswater plenty, so I, I know it's, you know. Oh, yes. You know, exactly trying. What it's, like. yeah. it's, it's not too bad. <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting, getting there. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. And, you're, and you're handily located right near the train station, so that makes it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, at the moment with, with stage four lockdown in Melbourne, we're very limited in, in who we're allowed to see, but we are um, unlimited in who we can see on telehealth and we're able to help people via telehealth, whether that's in Melbourne or in Australia or even around the world. I've had yeah. um, a couple of patients from overseas um, have awesome. consultations just for, and we can cover a lot in telehealth where, yeah, we can't do exact hands-on treatment at that moment, but um for, for runners and endurance athletes, we can cover a lot in a telehealth consultation. Yeah, That's excellent. Yeah, thank, thank God for that. Um, all right, well, I'll put all those details um, in the uh, show notes. But, um, Great. yeah, thank you very much. Really appreciate uh, you sharing your knowledge with us. Thanks for having me. It's been, been great. Thank you. Right. Thanks. Bye. So what did you think? A big takeaway for me was that we spend a lot of time as runners focusing on our hips and hip strengths and mobility and so forth, but maybe more time should also be spent working on calf strength and ankle and foot mobility. I know a number of specialists that I've spoken to for these interviews over time have said that the calf strength and ankle mobility is a huge component that we often neglect. I know certainly when I'm at home, I like to spend a lot of time barefoot as that helps to ensure my feet are mobile and strong. Maybe that's just one little simple thing that you can do. Have a great week of training. Stay safe, stay fit, keep running, look after your loved ones and remember this time too shall eventually pass. At least we hope so. Have a great week.